Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first lesson today comes from 1 Peter in chapter 3, picking up with verse 15. Listen now to the Word of God. But in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good, for your good conduct in Christ, may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel of John in the 14th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what God will say to us in verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in the Father with me. They who have my commandments and keep them are the ones who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The word of the Lord. As if, as if, as if. There are all sorts of meanings that that phrase has, all sorts of possibilities. It can be hopeful. It's as if he had graduated. Or it's as if she retired. You may know people in those categories. 
At other times, it's something of a rebuff. As if that's ever going to happen. So, what does it mean for us to live as if? Live as if. Live as if. Some years ago, I was asked to conduct a funeral for a, a woman. The service was going to be at a funeral home. I had been one of her pastors a number of years before and had known her adult son who was about my age. Um, I had left the, that church and gone to other fields of service and she and her family had uh, transferred their memberships as well. So I came back together with the son who I knew and with three, his three brothers. And as we gathered around in the family to, to talk about the service and to talk about their memories of their mother, one of the other brothers, one that I did not know, said, I remember daddy always talked about being an orphan. Now I guess we are too. He was alluding to the fact that their father, whom I never knew, but their father had, had been an orphan. His parents, both of his parents had died when he was a child, and he did not uh, grow up in that family. He grew up in other households with relatives and other institutions, children's homes, and that sort of thing. And it always was a, a, a factor that the, the father mentioned to the sons. You know, I was an orphan. You know, I was an orphan. That, that refrain kept coming. And so when now that he had died years before and now their mother had died, these men in their 50s and 60s were saying, yeah, I guess we're orphans too. And there's a way in which that is true. In the natural order of things, we think that our parents will die before their children and so that means at some point the parents will depart from the scene and we, the children, are left to figure that out. Of course, it's a very different thing when you're 50 years old figuring that out than when you are five years old and have to figure that out, to be sure. But there is a reality there when we lose our parent, our parents, that we are alone. Jesus said to the disciples, I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you alone. In the Old Testament, there are any number of references to widows, orphans, and aliens in some variation thereof. They are people who are identified in Scripture as being unable to protect themselves, to care for themselves for a variety of reasons. And so they must have advocates. They must have someone look after them. It is the responsibility of the community to do that in the Old Testament. In John 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. I will send you an advocate. Other translations read helper. Other speak, other uh, studies of this speak of this as the Holy Spirit. I will send a power to be with you, to accompany you, even if I am not with you in present, and presently in person, I will be there or I will have my presence with you by this advocate. 
So even when we do become orphans biologically at whatever stage that is, we know as people of faith, there is an advocate for us. Jesus was saying that we should live as if we had an advocate. It's not a promise that is made lightly. It is a reality. The nature of God is to reach out and to provide for those times and those places when things go sideways, when there is a lack of resources, when there are challenges and transitions and uncertainties. Even in those moments, Jesus, is, Jesus says, there will be a helper. There will be an advocate who will be there for you, to accompany you, to walk with you. Live as if there will be an advocate for all those times of challenge and turmoil and change and duress. There are other ways in which we can frame this reference to being applied to in our lives as well. 1 Peter 3 is a place where the uncertainty of life is lifted up. It is an epistle that was written by a believer in Rome to the churches in what we now know of as Turkey, the diaspora. They were under pressure. They were under challenge. The Scripture tells these Christians who are scattered about that they are facing challenges. That's not any news to them. The letter are words of instructions on how to navigate those challenges. On account for the hope that is in you. That's what verse 16 says, on account of the hope that is in you. There's a challenge out there. There's an uncertainty. There's, there's, there are things that are happening in the world that are upsetting you. Even in those circumstances, you may have hope and you need to be able to speak to other people about that hope. The message renders it this way, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Live full of hope. Do not apologize for it. Simply state it and be in good relation with others. That's not a bad way to, tell, to put it. Tell folks that you are living as if you have hope when the world around you gives every indication that there may be none to be had. Live not as orphans, but as if you have an advocate, for you do. Live with hope, for you do have it through Christ. Live as if you are following the commandments of Jesus. That's what Jesus said to the disciples gathered there in John 14, keep my commandments. Just a few verses before in John 13, Jesus had said, had washed the feet of the disciples. And then he had said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Love one another, and people will know who you are. That's not always an easy thing to do, but it is the way of the path we are to do. Live as if you love one another. Live, love, share. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was asked what the great commandment was, and he responded by affirming the verses from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the first and second great commandments of the law and on those hang all the law and the prophets. But then in that interchange in Luke 10, Jesus is asked, well, Jesus, what is a neighbor? We're to love our neighbor, but who is our neighbor? Do you remember the answer? The answer is the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a man who was walking down a road. He fell among robbers. He was beaten. He was uh, left for dead. Some high muckety-mucks walk by and they pass by and they leave him on the road. Finally, a person who is despised in the, in the culture stops by and binds up the wounds and takes him into the local inn and leaves him there and pays for his care for a day or two. Jesus says, now, which one of those do you think is the, the neighbor? And the answer is, of course, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus says, yeah, right. That's not really the way the Bible reads, but that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Go and do that. This is what the instructions are. Go and do likewise. That's, that's love. That's love of neighbor. In writing to the church in Corinth, Paul composed a wonderful song of love, 1 Corinthians 13. You have heard it any number of times in our culture. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. Love hopes all things. Love, it is this power that, that is not petty. It is expansive and explodes into the world. The love of God comes to do that. Live as if the way of love has an impact in the life, on your life in the world. Paul concludes that song of love in 1 Corinthians 13 by saying, faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Sometimes, though, I think when we hear that, we strip away faith and hope and we focus on the love piece. But you really can't strip away faith and hope. You can't have love unless you have faith and unless you have hope. They are connected. They are a kind of triangular support for our life. This week I came across a quote from St. Augustine. He was the Bishop of Hippo, which is a, a city in North Africa. Today it would be in the country of Algeria. He lived 1,600 years ago, long time ago, but his writings continue to resonate. 
he wrote this about faith, hope, and love. He says, by faith we know God is. By love we know God is good. By hope we know God will work God's will. Augustine lifts up the importance of hope. In fact, he even suggests that maybe the greatest of those virtues is not simply love, but also hope. He also goes on to say, hope has two daughters, anger and courage. Anger for the way things are, and courage to see things do not remain the way they are. Faith is how we know who God is. Love is how we know that we know God is good. Hope is how we know God is at work in the world doing God's will. And because of anger and courage, we have hope. We can, we can get upset at the way things are and yet still anticipate something better because we can see it and we can be strong to resolve ourselves to it. That's a lot to unpack. That's a lot to, to, to think our way through. Live as if all of this matters. Live as if love matters, because it does. If love does not animate our relationships, then you cannot expect it to matter to other people either. Live as if faith matters. If faith does not reveal God to you, then how can we share that testimony with others? Live as if hope matters. In a world where we see things that are not right, we may be right to be angry, and we may be right to say there is a different way to live in the world. Live as if you know you are not alone, for you are not, for God's Spirit surrounds you and provides for you. Jorgen Moltmann um, is one of the great theologians of the 20th century. Um, it is arguable that he is maybe the greatest theologian of the last quarter of the 20th century. But he came, he was, he was born in the 1920s in Germany, and during World War II he was drafted into the Nazi military. While he was serving in that role, he was captured by the Allies, and he ended up in a prisoner of war camp in, in uh, Scotland. He was not a religious person or Christian person before his involvement in the military. But while he was in prison, he met a group of other Germans who were Christians, and he began having questions. And a, an American chaplain gave him a copy of the New Testament in German, and he read it, and he was baptized and became a Christian. After World War II, he returned to Germany, attended university, became involved in various student organizations, student Christian organizations, and 
began, became in the 1960s a professor of theology. His, one of his great classics of, of uh, work is called The Theology of Hope. Hope is important to him. He has this quote, we are called to hope. Let us go forth from our anxieties and learn to hope from the Bible. Let us reach out beyond our limitations in order to live and to find a future in a new beginning. Let us take no more account of barriers, but only of the one who broke the barriers down. He is risen. Christ is risen indeed. He is our future. I think Moltmann is saying, live as if the power of new life is unleashed in the world through the resurrection, for it has been. Live as if knowing that you are no longer a, um, an orphan let to, to be in the world by yourself. You have God's power to come alongside you. Live as if your faith matters. Live as if love matters. Live as if hope matters. For only as you and I live into those important qualities will they indeed matter for you and for the rest of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.